When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to talk about a new movie? Check. Want to talk about an older movie similar or related to that new movie? Check. That's what you can expect from Quality Check Podcast. It's a new podcast on the Studio DNA Network hosted by yours truly, Drew Douglas and Daniel Posey. Every other Tuesday, we'll talk about a new movie and an old movie to see how the film's quality holds up. The Sports Yak Podcast is powered by Notre Dame Athletics. Experience the excitement of cheering the Fighting Irish onward to victory. Tickets for Notre Dame Athletic events are available at und.com slash buy tickets. Also by Pyramid Equipment. Be prepared this winter season by checking the condition of your snow removal equipment. Pyramid Equipment is a locally owned business in Rolling Prairie, Indiana that sells, services, and installs residential and commercial grade snow plows, parts, and salt spreaders. Pyramid Equipment is your trusted dealer of Meyer and Snow Dog products. Old man winners ready. Are you? Service discount for military, fire, and police available. Call 800-833-2591 or find them on the web at PyramidEquipmentInc.com. And now, here we go, maniacs. From South Bend, Indiana, you know where that's at. I don't. It's Sports Yak with Corey Mann and Chuck Freeby. I'm the booth announcer, Jim Shorts. That's good. Welcome to New Week. Goodbye, September. Great having you. Here comes October, and here comes episode 145. Oh, you mean the Pretzels Getson episode? Pretzels Getson. Pitcher in the late 1800s for Major League Baseball. Pitched for not the Detroit Tigers. Oh, no. He pitched for the Detroit Wolverines, the Indianapolis Hoosiers, the Boston Bean Eaters, the Cleveland Spiders, and the St. Louis Browns in his big league career in which he won 145 games. Pretzels Getson, the first person of German ethnicity to play Major League Baseball. Now, if I was the PR person for any of those teams, it would be a field day with pretzels. Well, first of all, if you were the PR person for any of those teams, you wouldn't have a job because none of them exist anymore. No. (laughs) But back then, of course. Yes. When pretzels pitching, pretzels are free. Yeah, well, because... There was a belief that he was able to throw a double curve that followed the curves of a pretzel. Wow. Pretzels Getson. Good there, one, Chuck Freebie. There you have That's it. That's a good one. And and you'll appreciate this quote from the uh, Detroit Free Press in 1886. The pretzel is all right. He went into the box today and pitched one of his finest, his curve circling around in the form of the delicious pastry from which gets takes his sobriquet. They don't write like that anymore, my friend. Last night, uh, back in uh, <clears throat> my hotel room and split a really nice bottle of wine. Several. What, what, what kind <laughs> was it? Camus, a nice bottle of Camus. And uh, we 
we spent probably 30, 40 minutes together really celebrating um, an unbelievable five-year run. We thought back to when we first got together down at the, the beach in Pensacola, and we never could have imagined um, this working out as well as it did. And I, I personally never could have imagined having <clears throat> such a wonderful partner, uh, someone so loyal and supportive and someone from whom I learned so much about baseball and life and uh, someone who I consider a lifelong friend and um, which uh, and our friendship continues. We just talked about it going yeah. through going through a transition, <coughs> and uh, we me. both agreed um, that this is a, a, this type of change is that it's time and that this type of change is a win-win. It's going to be great for Joe mm -hmm. uh, at a wonderful point in his life. He's going to he won't talk about this right now, but I will. He's going to going to be a bidding war for his services, and there should be. And he's in a great position, and I, I so look forward <coughs> to his next chapter in baseball and in life and, and it's going to be good for the Cubs too uh, I think we're at a point where we're, um, we just need a little bit of change and some uh, something new and, and, and that's natural that's the natural way of things change if you embrace it the right way is uh, good for all of us so it's just time and that happens and uh, great life I've, I've talked to you about from the from book I recently read, Never Deny the Truth of Bad News, and in a way, bad news, but also good news at the same time. We're both going to move on. Cubs are going to flourish. Hopefully, I get a chance to do this somewhere else, uh, but uh, there's no tear shed. It's a good moment for everybody, and, and we're both excited about our futures. How did you personally feel yesterday when you heard it was time for Joe Madden to move on? Melancholy. Uh, it was not a surprise. It's something we've talked about on this show, and I found myself even railing about it a couple of times, believe it or not. Uh, however, you also appreciate what he did for the franchise. Four out of the five years, he took the team to the playoffs, manager of the year in 2015, and of course, winning the world championship in 2016, something the Cubs hadn't done in 108 years. And I honestly don't think it's all his fault. But as he and Theo Epstein uh, spoke to the media yesterday, they made it clear this was a mutual decision. And I do think uh, Joe's going to do just fine. He's going to land on his feet somewhere. He's got plenty of suitors. However, maybe, his, maybe it was time to go. Maybe his voice is no longer being heard as it should be in that clubhouse. I uh, I got the vibe that he was beloved yes. on social media. Not only uh, I, f I feel like uh, like the press and the media loved him, I feel like the players loved him. But there was something Rizzo said yesterday that made me kind of go, hmm. And he said, uh, Joe was the kind of guy I could walk up to and say, hey, coach, I had a shot and a couple of beers last night. And Joe would say, that's okay, just aim for the middle ball. And I thought, Maybe you do need a coach that holds you to a higher standard during the season. And when you say something like that, there's a little more pushback than, eh, it's okay, you had a good time, whatever. I just kind of had a little moment of maybe he was too much of their buddy. Well, but then you look at the list of potential suitors and David Ross's name near or at the top of the list, and it's like, well, how is David Ross going to be any different I mean, David Ross was their buddy. He was their teammate yeah. just three years ago. So how is that going to work if it should happen? I jotted down the, the Chicago Tribune's uh, list 
of people and wanted to run them past you. Carlos Beltran? Has no real connection with the Cubs. Uh, former Major League ball player, um, kind of a contemporary of David Ross, quite frankly. I, I would be surprised. Bruce, am I saying Bocci? Bochi? Bochi. Bruce Bochi just retired from a long career with the San Francisco Giants. I I don't see him picking back up with the Cubs, but we'll see. Joe Girardi? Well, Joe Girardi, former Cub player, former Yankee manager, uh, known as an old-school, hard-line baseball guy, grew up, played baseball at Northwestern. Uh, I actually did PA for a game Joe Girardi played over at Jake Klein Field hmm. uh, before they built X Stadium at Notre, at Notre Dame. Uh, but Joe Girardi is kind of the anti-Joe Madden whereas Joe Madden tries all these different things and is heavily into the analytics and things like that. That's not Joe Girardi's style. So if you're looking for a departure from Madden, that would be a route to go. The thing is, Joe Girardi is going to cost you at least as much, if not more, than Joe Madden. Raul Ibanez? Raul Ibanez, uh, former <laughs> player. Uh, again, I think... I think the names Beltron and Ibanez get thrown out there because uh, they are minorities and they are. Uh, there's a growing trend to try to bring in more Latino managers because, let's face it, we have more Latino players in the game today. So you're looking for somebody who can communicate better with the players. Uh, Beltron or Ibanez, those would be names to consider there. Mark Loretta? Mark Loretta was Joe Madden's bench coach the last few years. And Mark Loretta, um, in my mind, did a memorable interview with MLB Network Radio where he talked. they asked him, why were you hired as the bench coach? And he talked about trying to improve communication with the players. And right there was kind of a, a red flag that, well, maybe the communication between Joe Madden and his players, because of that age discrepancy, uh, was such where it was harder for him to relate to the players and convey what he wanted to get across. Got a 65-year-old guy talking to young 20-year-olds. Yeah. Okay, I see what's going on there. We've already mentioned Dave Ross. Kevin Euclid? Kevin Euclid, former player uh, with the Red Sox and uh, well-known by Theo Epstein uh, to be somebody that has a very good baseball mind and therefore um, somebody that I think Theo would would give the time of day to in an interview and consider as a possible successor. Okay. How long of uh, time do you think we'll have before we hear about a new coach? Well, I think we're going to get a better idea of that today around, uh, I think it's 4 o'clock South Bend time that Theo meets the media for his season-ending press conference. Oh. You know, yesterday was more about Joe and the actual dismissal of Joe Madden. I think today will be more about the process, the search process that will go on for Theo and uh, how he'll go about that. Nine nothing against the Cardinals. Yeah. The Cubs, first of all, he started Derek Holland, who has not been good since joining the Cubs and continued that tradition yesterday. Joe was down to throwing bullpen guys yesterday and wound up running out of bullpen guys and threw Ben Zobrist in there for an inning in the eighth inning. Uh, 
it's almost as though they just capitulated on the last day. Cardinals needed that game to clinch the division, so they came out with their ace, Jack Flaherty, who has been the best pitcher in the National League since the All-Star break, and he pitched like it again yesterday. He just shut down the Cub bats. And so St. Louis, in a game that they had to have, gets the win, and so they'll face Atlanta in the divisional playoffs. And Milwaukee had opportunities this weekend against the Rockies. The Cubs won two out of three. They opened the door for the Brewers, and the Brewers just did not walk through. And so they now have the wild card game with Washington tomorrow night. In Washington, uh, the winner will get the Dodgers. Cubs players just scatter now? Yeah, they they're done for the season. They they go to wherever they go and, and get a break, and, and they sit around and wait to see who the new skipper is as well. It'll be interesting to see if Theo consults any of them to get their input on what they're looking for from a new manager. Which ones do you think, like, of name three that he would consult that you think he might reach out to and go, hey, what do you think about this? Well, I actually, I'll give you four. Okay. I think you better talk to Rizzo. I think you better talk to Bryant, John Lester, and KB. Okay. Th- those are the guys that I would think that you would consult with. Maybe Hendricks. Did you mention the White Sox? I have not yet, but I'd be happy to. They closed the season yesterday with a 5-3 win over the Tigers, but the the real big news for the Sox was two statistical achievements that they were able to get. Tim Anderson wins the not only the American League batting title, but the Major League Baseball batting title. And he joins a rather small, exclusive group of White Sox players to ever do that. In fact, the last White Sox player, Corey, to win the Major League Baseball batting title was Luke Appling in 1936. <laughs> so Anderson wow. had a terrific year at the plate uh, and and really did it without drawing a whole lot of walks. He uh, just very disciplined hitter. Meanwhile, Jose Abreu, the White Sox first baseman, becomes the first player from the White Sox to claim the American League RBI crown since Dick Allen did it back in 1972. I think Abreu had 123 RBI this season. So They've got some productive offensive players. They need to continue to work on that pitching staff, which was somewhat besieged by injuries this year. But still, uh, some of the guys that they brought up just were not ready for the big leagues and showed. This is Don Fisher, voice of Indiana football. Catch every Hoosier football game on 103.1 Pulse FM. Now back to Sports Yak. Have you ever seen an alligator uh, take down its prey? probably have at some point online or something like that pulls it in the water and then it spins it oh, spins okay. until it's dizzy and then it attacks even more oh okay i felt like that's what i saw with mitch trubisky yesterday when he got <laughs> spun a couple times on his shoulder when they slowed it down i was like ow chihuahua and because of that we got another guy chase daniel out of the university of missouri comes in yesterday and Plays very well in a backup role. And Apparently knows the system. Uh, clearly he does. But it makes you appreciate it because on an NFL team, the backup quarterback in practice gets very few snaps. So really, it's all about mental preparation for guys like Chase Daniel. Because in practice, Trubisky is going to get 
90% of the snaps because mm-hmm. uh, they got to get him ready for the game. He's the guy. Well, he gets hurt six plays in. Chase Daniel comes in and does a stellar job running the Bears yesterday to a 16-6 to win over Minnesota. Now, granted, 16 points. Let's not carve the bust yet in Canton. He only got it into the end zone one time. Eddie Pinheiro kicks three field goals. But the Bears' defense was outstanding, especially against the run, especially when you consider they had both Akeem Hicks and Roquan Smith out for this game. The depth that the Bears have shown with this team should be alarming to the rest of the league because it shows that they can handle a few injuries, which some other teams, the Colts to be considered, uh, cannot. And, you know, Matt Nagy was pretty fired up about that team's performance yesterday after the game. Boom! And another one! And we're just having three in a row, I'm going to do another one! Boom! How about that defense? 40 yards rushing. Six sacks. How about that special team? That's who we are. We're family. You go back to that first week and what happened that first week, three weeks later, look where we're at. Because you all believe in each other, man. And that that's all this game is. It's not that hard. It's about the players and doing it as a family, and you did that. So I'm proud of you. I can't. This is one of the top ones for me, again, for what you guys did, the resolve, and the guys stepping up for other guys. I want 59 in here right now. I like it. I like it. I like it. Did I hear they're heading to London, England next? Yes, they play in London on Sunday against John Gruden and the Raiders. John Gruden and the Raiders coming off that 31-24 victory over the Colts yesterday because the Colts defense just failed to show up before halftime. <laughs> Lions. Get their first loss. Yeah, that helped out the Bears yesterday. Detroit uh, in a thriller with Kansas City. I mean, they played Kansas City tough, and Kansas City is considered one of the elite teams in the NFL. Daryl Williams finally punches it in from the one-yard line with 20 seconds left, and Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs get a 34-30 win at Detroit. That's only the fourth game in the last two years where Mahomes has not thrown a touchdown pass. But the, uh, the Lions gave... Kansas City, all it could handle, and Matthew Stafford had another very good game throwing the football for Detroit. Hey, Purdue fans, it's football time. Rote, rote, rote for Purdue. Purdue, do, do. A Purdue, do, Purdue, do, Purdue. This is Tim Newton, voice of Purdue football. Catch every Boilermaker game on Pulse FM. Now back to Sports Yak. So let's rewind to Saturday. Let's talk about Notre Dame and Virginia. You were there. What were your thoughts? I thought that uh, I got a little nervous in the first quarter when I think I uh, timed Ian Book in the pocket about 13 seconds too long. (laughs) Um, That scared me a little bit, but um, I don't know. They seem to have – I read an article, and I kind of felt I agreed with it. They had more gas in them than I thought they would after that Georgia game. Like, I felt like – all right, we're back on. We're back in the home. We're back. You know, it's not the end of the world. There's still plenty to do. My son Pedro C. Munoz freebie, I thought, drew a pretty good analogy between the Bears and Notre Dame. Watching yesterday's game, saying it's the defense for both of them. 
And I got the vibe in that stadium, especially in the second half when the defense for Notre Dame was creating turnover after turnover against Virginia, that the crowd almost wanted to see the defense on the field more than they wanted to see the offense. I would agree with that. Because Julian Aquora played a tremendous game. I mean, he winds up getting three sacks, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. Is that good? Yes. Yes, it is. And he's the Walter Camp National Defensive Player of the Week for that kind of performance. Eight sacks by that Irish defensive line. They were all over Bryce Perkins. Perkins played a an incredible first half. I thought the Virginia quarterback looked really good in the first half. Made some great throws. He's got a receiver named Joe Reed that just was all over the place making catches. I don't think it was the best day for the Irish secondary. I think they missed some big-time assignments on Saturday. So Notre Dame trails the game 17-14. Virginia, with some great scouting, uh, kicks an onside kick to start the second half and recovers it easily. And they're moving down the field, and you're thinking, Notre Dame's going to get down by 10 points in this game, and they're in trouble. And instead, the defense comes through with another strip sack. This time, it's Jameer Jones who gets the strip. Myron Taliavola Amosa goes with the recovery, and the big fellow rumbles about 47 yards deep into territory. From there, Tony Jones Jr. punched in one of his three touchdowns on the day. Irish walk out of there with a 35-20 win. It's the kind of win for Brian Kelly's team that he's going to enjoy because, yes, there were a lot of things they did well. There are still a lot of things that they need to improve, and so it gives them something to to focus on as they go into practice this week where they are a 45-point favorite over Bowling Green on Saturday. But it was not a, a victory without cost for Notre Dame. Uh, Dalen Hayes, the defensive end, out for the season with a torn labrum. Uh, Sean Crawford in the secondary, out with a dislocated elbow for three to four weeks. Chase Claypool, a bad ankle. But the fact, I mentioned Jameer Jones at defensive end, and after the game, Tim Priester from Irish Illustrated was saying, well, wait a minute, Jameer Jones was on the scout team earlier now you've played him, but it's in the first four games. That's within the redshirt window. Are you still going to redshirt him, or do you have to play him now because of Dalen Hayes? And apparently that was a little more than Brian Kelly could handle. You Consider. guys ask so many questions that are so difficult to answer. My goodness, my brain blows up talking to you guys. I wish I could be at like a normal press conference sometimes. When we're done with this, you'll wrap up. You'll head over to the university for the Monday press conference with the coach. What would you like to uh, ask today? What's on your mind about uh, this weekend's game or last weekend's? Well, I I think the question is, how do you keep your team focused at all? Because USC is coming up next weekend, primetime game. Yes, I know the Trojans lost at Washington on Saturday, but that's one of your big rivalries. You've got Bowling Green coming in. You've got your former defensive coordinator, who I assume is still a friend of yours, and his defense has just been awful. How how do you keep everybody just 
focused and not just looking at this game the way all the fans do, which is like, well, why are they even bothering to play it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that can be tough. <laughs> it's like this is such a pushover game. Right. Let's just take it. Let's just uh, dial it down a notch for the week and take care of ourselves or whatever. Um, You know what I noticed in the second half of the game that I thought was slightly cheesy was the the Digger Phelps speech, then the Lou Holtz speech, then the let's make some noise, like lengthy uh, hype video for the crowd. There, I have lots of problems with the in-game things Aesthetics. that happen at the stadium. Yeah. You know, you now, I wasn't at Georgia. But everybody who I've talked to at Georgia was, like, mind-blown. They say that was an incredible experience. And I would have hoped that somebody from Notre Dame Marketing Promotions or Stadium Operations or whoever is responsible for the scene that happens between during the NBC commercials yes. would have gone down there and said, okay, here are some things we can incorporate. No. To be fair, the video board is relatively new at the stadium, Mm -hmm. and you're still trying to figure out, okay, what can we do with this? What can't we do? And it didn't help that the one video that you just mentioned with all the pep speeches started with, like, half-speed play, which wasn't correct, and then it got straightened out. But that threw, I think, everybody off and the timing of the whole thing off. Yeah, I think that video actually started with uh, the Dan Devine speech from Rudy. From, from Rudy, yeah. 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 But it started at half speed, too. So oh, that did, did it? Yeah. It, oh, I that didn't, didn't that. help it. Uh, but there are a lot of things that happen within the game that I just, I think, are a little too much trying to sell the other side of the university, the academic side of the university. And, and in my opinion, that's just not the place for it. Now, full disclosure, Notre Dame Athletics is the sponsor of this podcast, and they're probably not overly pleased with what I'm saying right there, but that's that's one man's opinion. Mm-hmm. They'd still like you to buy tickets. Go to und.com. Yes. Slash buy tickets. They move up to number nine. The the flip-flop at the top of the poll, interesting, Alabama surpassing Clemson. Clemson had its hands full with North Carolina. North Carolina went for two at the end of the game, failed, and that was the difference in a one-point loss for the Tar Heels to Clemson on Saturday. But the Clemson victory was unimpressive enough that Alabama leapfrogs them for the number one spot. Of course, it really doesn't matter as long as you get in the top four. You're playing in the college football playoff. Uh, Right now, if I were to make a top four in college football, really wouldn't look all that much different than what you see in the polls. It would be Alabama, Clemson, Georgia. I think I would put Ohio State over LSU, but Ohio State's tougher games are coming up here in October. They've got Michigan State this weekend. They've got Wisconsin at the end of the month. We'll know more about the Buckeyes by the time October is done. Speaking of the Spartans, IU this weekend. Yeah, IU goes up there. They play valiantly. Michael Penix played very, very well at quarterback for IU, and you can see why Indiana wants him in there. We, we've been telling you this since late July, early August. 
The reason you have Michael Penix in the game is because his kind of performance is the kind that can put you over the top against ranked teams like Michigan State. Uh, much, much more high-risk, high-reward kind of guy. And the rewards were great for Indiana. Penix kept him in the game on Saturday. But eventually, it's the same old story for the Hoosiers. It's three-quarters of hope. And then the fourth quarter, things kind of fall apart. Michigan State gets the go-ahead field goal, and then an Indiana fumble on the last play of the game is run in by Michigan State. So the final score winds up looking like it's a nine-point game, and it really wasn't. It was a a three-pointer. I did not hear a single broadcast of Purdue. Well, uh, it was a a rough weekend for the Boilermakers because they lost Elijah Sindlar and Rondale Moore on the same play. Oh, wow. And they're waiting to hear the injury results on both of those. Jeff Brom has his press conference today at noon. So we'll know more later in the day about uh, Sindelar and Moore. But in the meantime, uh, Purdue... Hung in there valiantly against uh, P.J. Fleck and the Golden Gophers of Minnesota, but they lose at home. And if you don't have Sindelar and you don't have more, it's going to be really tough for Purdue in the Big Ten. Sports Yak! Sports Yak, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks. But the second case silent. An insane of nights of weather Friday uh, night caused uh, an enormous amount of football teams to postpone uh, until either the next day, the next morning. And um, any surprises from Saturday's play? Well, uh, yeah, there were some surprises Saturday. I thought John Glenn beating South Bend, Washington. Uh, was an upset because John Glenn went into that game with a record of one and four. Washington was four and one, hmm. and yet the Falcons uh, pull out the win by a touchdown at home in Walkerton. To me, that was an upset. And then Michel- the the rankings will tell you that Mishawaka's win over Elkhart Central was an upset, twenty two seventeen. I go back to the fact that Elkhart Central has not beaten Mishawaka since two thousand four, so. Can you call that an upset? I I don't know. Are they uh, saying that because Elkhart Central hadn't lost yet this season? Yeah, Elkhart Central was ranked. Mishawaka was not Okay, uh, going into the game. Keith Kinder, uh, once again, put together a game plan. Let's play ball control. You know, Elkhart Central's great talent on defense, Rodney McGraw, is a pass-rushing defensive end. Well, there's a heck of a way to neutralize that. Don't pass. Then he can't get sacks, and then he's got to go up against this defense that, or against this Mishawaka offense that is very happy just getting two and a half to three yards of carry. And they'll just do that all night long and go right on down the field. And unless you can stop them and force them into some no gain or negative yardage situations, you're going to have some problems. And the Blazers did. They found themselves down 22 3 in this game. Make a comeback. Mark Brownlee gets a 61-yard touchdown run early in the fourth quarter that makes it 22-17. But Mishawaka hangs on. They limited Central to only 150 yards rushing in the game. And they throw the NIC North into a, a real tailspin right now. So your undefeated teams in the conference, in the Northern Indiana Conference North Division, are Penn and New Prairie. 
and they'll get together on Friday night over at Amzie Miller Field. And Penn, despite being three and three on the year, still unbeaten in NIC play. Uh, they go into New Prairie, a team that they manhandled last year at TCU Freed Field. We'll see what kind of changes the Cougars have made and if they can compete with the Kingsmen on this night. New Prairie looked really good again, beating Adams 55-14. Chase Ketterer accounting for, I believe, six touchdowns in the game himself, four running, two passing. And that should be a head knocker. It'll be Penn's first regular season game in LaPorte County in 20 years. What are you uh, preparing yourself for for Friday night? Well, we've got Concord and Plymouth this week on Friday night on the Big 4-6. Coach's poll came out this morning. Concord number 5 in 5A, Plymouth number 8 in 4A. And they go head-to-head. They're the two teams that share the lead in the Northern Lakes Conference. Corey, from 2005 to 2015, every NLC title was won by either Concord or Plymouth. However, in the last three years, neither team has won an NLC title. So you got a bunch of seniors who are hungry for some success, and they'll get together down at the Rock Pile in Plymouth on Friday night. Two teams that really like to throw the ball. Two good quarterbacks, Ethan Kane for Concord, Joe Barron from Plymouth. Should be a lot of fun on 46. Up in Michigan, no big surprises over the weekend. Uh, the usual suspects won. Uh, Edwardsburg wound up winning its game with South Haven by forfeit. Uh, the Rams made the trip to Edwardsburg on Friday night. They played a whole 36 seconds before the lightning came and stopped the game. And then trying to uh, come back on Saturday, I don't know if some of the South Haven players had other commitments, but Basically, South Haven said, we're going to be down to 15 guys. That's not enough. Um, And quite frankly, I think they knew what was coming for them and just said, we'll forfeit. So that's one way to hold down the Edwardsburg scoring total. They Mm. win one nothing. I uh, grew up there. I didn't know South Haven had a ball club. So there's that. So what do you think about this mosquito outbreak up there that's making its way down here? Well, they're supposedly spraying this week so we'll see if they can move the game times back of course everything got thrown asunder friday and so the game times really got scattered on saturday you had games being played anywhere from 10 in the morning to 8 at night in both indiana and michigan Um, but i'll be curious to see uh, what the what the thought of the athletic departments is how much has it hurt their crowds having to shuffle these game times up a couple of hours, Mm -hmm. if it has. In some ways, I would think it would make it easier in terms of the players. You get out of school, if you're the road team, you get out of school, you get right on the bus, you go to the stadium and you play. You don't have this uh, four hours between school getting out and kickoff where who knows what can happen. Uh, The people it's a problem for, I'm sure, are the game officials, and uh, the people involved behind the scenes in putting on games. And and that's something, a tip of the cap to all those people, because the shuffling that had to happen between Friday and Saturday. Oh, boy. And I witnessed it in person in a couple of places. And just, well, what officials can come, which ones can't, uh, which ones have other commitments, what time can they get here, things like that. Then the the people that run the scoreboard, the chains, the concession stands, all those people that need to be in place to put on a high school football game uh, 
tip of the cap to all those people because it was not easy for athletic directors to redo the logistics on this. This isn't as simple as saying, oh, well, we can't play tonight. Let's all just show back up yeah. tomorrow. It's not a backyard uh, neighborhood no. game, right? So over the weekend, you were at Notre Dame Stadium. From a pop culture standpoint, you already talked about uh, not liking the one video that they had on the Jumbotron. Anything in, I, catch I, your eye or ear? I'm also interested in who's picking the songs. There's some obscure stuff happening in there. I know it because I'm a fan of that type of music, but I don't know. I just found it interesting that the, some of those songs are creeping into a playlist. I'm kind of curious. And I, my buddy Adam, who who's part of the sound team, I, I saw him. Uh, we grabbed a hot dog together, and I, I forgot to ask him, like, who is that doing that? And I thought he told me a year ago, but I can't remember who the person is or where they're from. They're from another ball club stadium, but I can't remember where. But I just I thought it was interesting, some of the choice selection songs, that type of stuff. I, I just find that interesting. You watch the band performance upside down, or at least yeah. the way we have to watch it from the media side of the press box. The the people the band are performing for are over on the other side of the stadium. Mm-hmm. The Beatles uh, halftime, which is okay. Celebrating the 50th anniversary of Abbey, Abbey Road. So they mm-hmm. had the, the four guys walking across the street. They did the Yellow Submarine. Uh, I believe Twist and Shout. And I want to hold your hand. And the greatest fight song of all fight songs. Please don't say it as long as JT does because <laughs> we want to get out of this I podcast out of here soon. quicker than usual. Yeah. yeah. You didn't get to see Blue Bloods. I'm sorry. I did last night. I got oh, to did see you watch it. it? Yeah. So because of the storm. I was all set to go home Friday night and catch the season premiere of Blue Bloods. And then we took a power hit, and that caused the Xfinity box to reset for 25 minutes. Long story short, there was no Blue Bloods to be seen on Friday night. So Diane and I made a pact that we'll go and we'll watch it Sunday. I thought they came out of the box strong with a good, solid first episode. Three storylines, the one that involved the commissioner, Frank Reagan, and uh, Treat Williams, guest starring as uh, a longtime friend and former cop of uh, Frank Reagan. I thought that one was a little bit lame. Uh, I thought the one with uh, the newly married couple of Reagan and Jenko Reagan uh, was a good one. Uh, But the best storyline was the one that involved Aaron Reagan, Bridget Moynihan as the D.A., and uh, her her travails of trying to be tough in the courtroom, but also not be, um, well, to use the term that they used on Blue Bloods, overly bitchy. Okay. Is that Tom Brady's ex-wife? Yes. That's right. I had a thing for her. <laughs> well, so did Tom, apparently. Yes. Bridget Moynihan. My daughter and her husband are working their way through Breaking Bad because of the new movie coming out in a couple ah. of weeks. So last night I had to fill in some of the questions before they got into season two last night on the phone. I found that enjoyable conversation. Any other network TV season premieres that are catching your eye right now? Anything that you've seen promoted that you say, oh, I want to see this? You know, that's funny you say that because I went and looked at their apps on my Apple TV because I don't know what time they're on or I miss it. Right. But you can usually catch it, I'm guessing, like you did with uh, CBS. Yes, on demand. Yeah. So I went looking for something. What's It's a cop show on ABC, and it's got the female. She was... uh, Stuntville? She's a member of S.H.I.E.L.D. in the Marvel movies. 
I believe it's Stuntville. Yeah, I haven't seen it, but uh, I know where it's at, so I'll probably go track that down. The FBI show on CBS looks like it might be okay. Is it called the FBI show? It's called FBI, yeah. Oh, you know what? I watched, Debbie and I watched the first episode of The Politician on Netflix that we'd seen with that band. What'd you think? uh, I don't get it. Yeah, I think that's out there a little bit. Yeah, I don't get it at all. I think that's more of an artsy show, kind of a Twin Peaks type thing almost. I I couldn't tell if it was a comedy or not. Right. You know, and it's like I'm waiting for some humor, and it was just, it was awkward for an hour. So I said, eh, Debbie gave it the thumbs down. And You a big Saturday Night Live guy? I am, but completely forgot to watch. I like social media because they'll go, hey, we ranked them. Right, yeah. So go watch this, this, and this. Now, I, I watched I watched the, the, the young girl, the 17-year-old homeschool girl do her performance with the Twisting Room. Oh, yeah. She sings Bad Guy. Yeah. I Billy, thought that was uh, fascinating. Eilish? Yes. Eilish? Mm-hmm. And then I thought the introduction of Woody Harrelson as Joe Biden was funny. I just saw the, that. The impeachment town hall was very, yeah. very funny. They did a great job. with Maya Rudolph as Kamala Harris, outstanding. Yeah. They made something about a mention of Biden's teeth. Yes. That I thought was, that yeah. was pretty funny. Yeah. No, they, they did a really good job with that. Okay. <laughs> Wednesday here on The Yak, we do have a guest, Kirk McKnight, who has a book called The Voices of MLB, will join us here on the podcast Get you ready for the baseball playoffs by talking about some of the great baseball announcers. Excellent. As always, if you want to reach out to us, we're on Twitter at SportsYak with two Ks, Instagram with two Ks. You can email us directly if you have a question or comment, what you'd like more of or less of, thesportsyak with two Ks at gmail.com. You can always uh, leave us a review on many of the podcast outlets, maybe share an episode with a friend. That would help us in the grand scheme of things. You can call 574-210-7950. I think I'm going to have an honorary pretzel today. In terms of, uh, or as a salute to the legendary Pretzels Getson? It's the Pretzels Getson episode, and the word pretzel just chimed in my head. (laughs) These pretzels are making me thirsty. (laughs) Until next time, Yak fans. Ooga looga, Pretzels Getson. You've been listening to Sports Yak, brought to you by... Notre Dame Athletics. Experience the excitement of cheering the Fighting Irish onward to victory. Tickets for Notre Dame Athletic events available at und.com slash buy tickets. And buy Pyramid Equipment. Think Pyramid Equipment for your snowplow needs, sales, services, and installations of residential and commercial grade snowplows, parts, and salt spreaders. Pyramid offers military, police, and firemen's discounts. Find us, PyramidEquipmentInc.com. Everybody get out of here, there's a lobster loose. Oh, holy cow, he's loose. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.